When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins. Well, this is a different setup. Uh, I'm in Virginia Beach at a hotel. Greg is where he usually is. And is in his workroom, but we're going to try to do this and hopefully it goes okay. Uh, it's the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast brought to you by uh, Athletic Greens. Of course, we're talking about the one stop shopping for 75 high quality vitamins to help you start your day right. And betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. He's Greg, I'm Nick. And let's start, Greg, with some headlines. And really, we begin with David Andrews. Uh, the injury did not look great on Sunday when he left the game against the Jets. Uh, What are you hearing? Is it actually possible that Andrews could play in this game tomorrow against the Vikings? Well, he's, he's listed as questionable, but um, I think that's highly questionable. I mean, you know, look, he, he left the game with the, I mean, he basically had to be carried off the field, Um, uh, you know, very similar without the screaming, I think is Mac Jones, but uh this quick a turnaround like there's no way he's playing i i assume he was on the practice field i don't think anybody actually saw him do it and that led him to be coined limited uh on the one day that they were on the practice field this week and so i think this is just belichick playing games i think he was just out there and david can you go out there so we can list you as like questionable like i i i would say the chances of him playing are about two percent uh, it's going to be James Ference. I would be surprised if Andrews even made the trip, which we might hear about uh, tonight at some point. But, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much chance. I mean, Andrews is a tough guy, and he looked like he was in a lot of pain. So I'd be shocked if he was out there tomorrow night. It'd be fantastic news for the Patriots and great news for Cole Strange, but I would be very surprised if he was out there. We know somebody who's not going to be out there for the Jets, at least – in the foreseeable future, Zach Wilson. And look, the Patriots have beaten that guy up throughout his NFL career up to this point. And he was so bad in that game on Sunday. He was even worse at the podium handling the press conference the way he did. Greg, Robert Sala has made the decision to go to Mike White. And at least for now, Zach Wilson is going to be sitting on the bench for the Jets. Yeah, I, I, to me, it was more about the way he conducted himself after the game right. and, you know, sort of the fallout from that. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Um, I forget what the guy, whoever the guy is who runs over the cap, who's a Jets fan, uh, overthecap.com, he posted on his Twitter account a transcript of uh, Mark Sanchez after one of his worst games. I think it was against the Patriots in like 2009 or something like that. And it was just, it was the complete polar opposite of, you know, what the, you know, Zach Wilson, not taking any accountability after that game. Um, You know, look, I I don't think, I didn't think after watching the film that Zach Wilson was horrible in that game. I mean, he, he, he definitely missed some throws and, and there, he had some difficulties. Um, You know, the, the one that stands out is the, he had the one that hit bounced off McCourty's chest he had Conklin, the tight end, was wide open in the middle of the field. Yeah. He catches that ball there inside the 20. If not, if Conklin breaks McCourty's tackle, who knows, maybe a touchdown. And it was perfectly uh, drawn up. He was open, and he just he, – his footwork was terrible. His shoulders were terrible. Same thing on the swing pass to Braxton Berrios, a few more passes in the game. And he just sailed it. Uh, you know, I do think that – uh, and we'll talk more about this game in a few minutes, but I thought that the, the Patriots really managed this game well. I don't think the Jets did on either side of the ball. I thought that 
Zach Wilson paid for some of those decisions. You know, as far as his average depth of target was over 10 yards. Mac Jones's was barely over four yards. Like, right. To me, that's how you win that type of game where the wind was a very real factor in that game. Uh, but for Zach Wilson, a young quarterback, uh, to say what he did after the game and not take any accountability, you just can't be an NFL quarterback like that. You can't. And I would have benched him just if he came if he came out of that game and said all the right things afterwards, I think he'd be starting this week. But because of his attitude and the way he's conducted himself, I thought Robert Sala had no choice but to sit him down. He's going to be inactive, not even in in uniform. He's going to suffer that indignity standing there in his street clothes. I think they're trying to teach him a lesson to to you know correct the course of his career right now, and and hopefully it's the right things. He was available today, and he started saying the right things, which he said the way I handled the situation wasn't right. Uh, to the, according to the reporters who were there. I got to be a better football player, and then I got to be a better leader for these guys. I have an opportunity to turn the page here as a player and a leader. He said other things, all the right things for now. And and this is the way you have to conduct yourself in the NFL. You have to take – you get all the glory when the team does well. Like, you got you to be the shield that protects everybody else. Even if it's not your fault, you need to go out there and take the slings and arrows for those guys, and that's how guys follow you. Yeah, and I think he he learned that lesson this week. And the other guys in that locker room, they were saying all the right things. The other offensive players, they were saying, you know, we've got to be better than that. You know, this isn't good enough. They they stood up for the defense and and said, you know, that they let the defense down. And then you have your quarterback who is supposed to be your leader out there. And, you know, he's not sending the right message and, and he's not saying the right thing. So there were some questions about Zach Wilson's maturity level as he was getting drafted. You know, that was one of the things that, it consistently was brought up. Does this guy have the maturity? You know, he played at BYU. Everything was set up perfectly for him. Would he be able to handle the market? Would he be, be able to handle the pressure? And he did a very bad job uh, on Sunday after losing a, a tough game for his team. Uh, meanwhile, Patriots, let's go back to the offensive line. We, we talked about David Andrews and his health. Isaiah Wingreg is out. Connor McDermott, he's back. Yeah, wins uh, wins out with a foot injury. Uh, Yadni Kajust also popped up on the injury report today and is questionable. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't even think they have another tackle beyond that. Like as far as guys that have been with the team throughout, so they signed Connor McDermott, a former sixth round pick of this team. Uh, <laughs> one of my uh, favorite sort of. Um, guys to poke fun at in, in training camp when, you know, nobody else cares about offensive line play, except for me. He was one of those guys that, you know, when he came in, he just, he wasn't very good. I mean, to his credit, he's he has stayed in the league as sort of a fringe, you know, he started some games, but he's been a fringe sort of back of the roster practice squad type of guy, smart guy, tough guy, uh, knows a little bit about the Patriots system. So I think that makes it, uh, a, a better signing for them because look, they could, you know, they're going to be down. Pro they're going to be down to James Ferentz as center. They have um, Rusi behind him, uh, sort of on the interior. Uh, you know, they Trent Brown should be where he is. Cole Strange should be where he is. Uh, Chasen Hines, I think, is still on the roster, the rookie guard. So they have him and Rusi as far as interior guys. Cannon is on IR. You're going to be without win. You could be out with could without could just. So McDermott is a guy that you're, he's probably going to need to be dressed and be ready. And at least he knows some of the Patriots old scheme. Uh, so it shouldn't be to, totally foreign to him. Yeah. This is not what you want though. This is not the setup you want mm -hmm. uh, for your offensive line. We had offensive line questions to begin with. Now you're dealing with injuries. You're dealing guys, you know, shuffling in and out. Andrew's probably out. It's uh, it's not what you're looking for if you're the Patriots. So, I mean, look, McDermott is a guy who gets picked up after Cannon, and, and we talked about Cannon. You've talked about Cannon and his lack of if his foot speed and uh, how he's aged. And so McDermott was like the guy who was on the lower rung than Cannon. So I don't think we should expect or anticipate McDermott to play terrific football if he goes out there. Let's just hope he doesn't get the quarterback killed like some of the other guys have, have almost uh, actually done that mission accomplished and a mission you don't want accomplished. All right, let's talk about the Jets game. 
Uh, look, it, this was a, a, a fist fight in a phone booth. You and I talked about this before the game. We knew it was going to be low scoring. Uh, we knew both offenses would have some issues and that the defenses would play well. And that was, Greg, before we knew that it was going to be a really tough weather day. And yeah. your first note about this game is uh, on offense and defense, the Patriots managed the game better. Break that down for people and, and tell them how the Patriots managed it better than the Jets did. Yeah, so, I, you know, I think that, and, and Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe you see it a different way, but I, I just think people are totally underestimating how much of a factor weather was in that game, the wind, namely. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we didn't know anything about it, you know, uh, bad on us about our discussion. We probably would have been like, oh, I mean, definitely pound the under if it's going to be windy. I mean, it was, you know, walking into the stadium, it was unbelievable. Um, and I'm not one of these guys who gets there three or four hours early. I was there like an hour before kickoff. So, uh, you know, I was feeling sort of the the real stuff. And and I think Belichick alluded to it in his postgame press conference where he said, you know, it wasn't so much the wind. It was just that it would gust. It would die down yeah. and then really gust like 30, 40 mile an hour winds. I mean, when I'm watching – the coach's film and the end zone view comes up and the, the goalposts are right there. And you're seeing them swaying back and forth the whole first half into the second half. Like that's significant. I mean, that's something that has to be managed, especially if you don't have Josh Allen. Now, maybe the jets think that Zach Wilson can spin it and cut it through the wind probably can, you know, a little bit. Um, but it, I thought the Patriots watching it on film it, you could tell one team understood what kind of game this was going to be from the conditions to it's going to be low scoring and the other team just didn't like in the Patriots, you know, as an offense, it looked like, you know, there weren't that many deep passes. You know, there was one deep one to Nelson Aguilar that I actually thought was a nice pass from Mac Jones. It's just Nelson Aguilar mistimed his jump. And to me watching it on film, that was the win. The jets had a similar play. I don't know if it was Wilson or Mims, on the sideline where the receivers again, hanging up in the air, the ball's in the vicinity, but it's just not timed up because the ball was moving or getting held up or, you know, all sorts of stuff was happening. If you threw the ball 20 yards into the air. And I think the Patriots just realized like, you know, unless it's there with a very low risk of it, you know, getting floating up in the air and getting picked off, you know, we're just going to check it down. We're just going to go short, like hit, hit the running backs. Like it's fine. And, and, and the Jets on defense, Robert Sala is one of these cover three type of guys. We do what we do. And he didn't say, oh, well, it's really windy. Mac Jones doesn't have the strongest arm. Maybe they're not going to throw very deep. Maybe we should compress this thing and take away the understuff and make them throw over the top, which is basically what the Patriots did on defense. They're like, you know, you know, Zach, Zach Wilson is talented, but – we want him to throw as deep as possible into that wind. He might throw us a couple of balls. And I thought that the Patriots took away the shorter stuff, the quicker stuff that the Jets uh, would have liked to have done. They, they The Patriots packed it in more. And that left Zach Wilson to, all right, now I got to scramble around. Now I got to throw over the top and throw off platform. And, and to me, that was the difference in the game. That's why that's the, that's the reason for, the yardage disparity, the completion percentage disparity. It's not Mac Jones was that much better than Zach Wilson, even though he was he was better than than uh, than Wilson in this game. I thought it was because the Patriots uh, want wanted to play into the conditions and the type of game, and the Jets allowed them the way they played defensively, where the Patriots said, "No, we know we're in a we're in a dogfight in a phone booth, and we're taking away all the shorter stuff." So you have to throw over the top and that made it more challenging for Zach Wilson and, and the Patriots played it exactly right. And it led to, they basically controlled the whole game. In my opinion, that's how it felt, it felt to me. Yeah. I mean, the, the Patriots moved the ball in this game they, and we'll talk more about it. You know, the issues were again, inside the 30 and the red area, it, it's been a problem for this offense. It continues to be a problem for this offense. With the conditions, Nick Folk was not as effective as he usually is. So you knew, you know, Folk, I was I was reading on Twitter before the game that he missed a 40-yard field goal during his, you know, during his his warm-ups. And you just knew, man, this this offense has had so many issues in the red zone 
if folk can't deliver, how are you, how are they going to score? And, and, and we saw it play out that Marcus Jones, that's how they're going to score six. That's how they're going to put it on the board. Cause, cause folk could not make those field goals between 40 and 45 yards, which the guy has been rock solid as a Patriot. It, it was just the conditions killed them on Sunday. And, you know, they were moving the ball. They were getting down there. And then they have issues and they'd have a misstep here, a misstep there. I thought Mac took a bad sack at one point in the red zone, which really hurt mm-hmm. them. Uh, but the offensive line, Greg, again, mistakes, mistakes in crucial moments as they're driving, they get down into the red area and they just make mistakes. And you have a note here about the offensive line, some stats. They gave up six sacks, which we all saw uh, the, the percent pressure rate, which Greg always talks about with this O-line 35% pressure. And then trying to run the football, the run stuff rate was 38%. So you put those three numbers together again, Greg, it was not the best day for this offensive line. No, it, it wasn't. I, you know, I will say that overall, I mean, it's, it's better than where it's been, you know, especially in terms of pressure rate and stuff rate, like it's a slight improvement and, but it's, it's not good enough, not against a good defense. And you know, I, I don't know if you caught wind of it in your travels, but I was on Felger and Maz yesterday again. You know, I don't mean to come off like I, I'm not a Mac Jones defender. I, I whatever the film tells me, like that's where I go. And if the film tells me Mac Jones stunk, I'll tell you, you know, and, uh, you know, that that was the case against the Colts. You know, I thought he played better in the first Jets game, you know, depending on how you viewed the potential pick six. I thought he managed that game well, and I thought it was good quarterbacking considering the the defense that they were going up against and I think you know people have lost sight you know so on so in this game in a real bad weather game it wasn't Buffalo last year but it was close almost 300 yards 13 first downs average five point five yards per play Jones completed 85 percent of his passes which was you know his his uh, expected completion percentage was 74.7%. So, you know, it was good. It was his being plus 10 was about eighth in the league. It was his best mark since about like week seven last year. Um, You know, 9.1 yards per attempt. Now I understand a lot of it was yards after the catch. I get it, but that's sometimes that's playing offense. So, you know, the jets, uh, the bills two weeks before, it was 76 degrees at MetLife. It was 11 miles per hour wind. The Bills offense had 317 yards, averaged 5.2 yards per play. Allen completed 53% of his passes with two interceptions and was at 6.6 yards per attempt. And then three weeks before, when the Patriots were last there against this defense, 59 degrees, one mile an hour wind. Patriots had almost 300 yards, 19 first downs. Averaged 3.8 yards per play, uh, completed 68% of their passes, 5.5 yards per attempt. So this was this was better than they were three weeks ago. It was better than the Bills were on a perfect day two weeks ago. So you got to keep things in context that like, you know, it wasn't good, tough wind, tough opponent. But I do think that there was progress made. But you're absolutely right, Nick. The stuff inside the 30-yard line like just can't go on. And to me, it starts with the offensive line. That being said, I will say what they just went through the bears, when they had everybody, the jets, the Colts and the jets again, I don't know if they're going to see a a gauntlet like that the rest of the year in terms of defensive line. So this is, you're hopeful. If you're a Patriots fan, you're hopeful. This is the worst that it can get as far as the offensive line. Yeah, man, look, to me, the Mac Jones stuff, it's gotten to the point where it's it's just out of pocket. Like, people are out mm-hmm. of pocket about Mac Jones. They're going too far with, with, with some of the criticism. And, again, I'm not being an apologist. When when he plays bad, I'll say he, he played bad. I tweeted out on Sunday that, you know, to a layman watching the game, considering what you just brought up, this Jets defense, the Jets front seven, the weather, the, the inability to run the football consistently – your offensive line mistakes in front of you, all of those things. I thought Mac played, I said really well, maybe really was a little bit of a stretch, but I thought he played well. They, they moved the football against a, a really good defense. And, and I thought he looked more comfortable than he had looked before the bye week. Uh, he was taking some of the check downs that we've said he hasn't always taken finding Damian Harris a couple of times, finding Stevenson. 
Um, I, I thought he took, you know, one or two sacks that were on him, uh, that, that he could have thrown the football away. And one of those was in the red zone and, and, and caused mm-hmm. a, a deeper kick for folk, which he missed. I thought that was just a killer of a sack to take. Absolutely. But I thought the dude played well. And it's just, it, it, to me, it's just got, it's gotten, it's gotten lazy now. It's a, it's the easy go-to. Oh, well, it's Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. It's Mac Jones. Like people were tweeting at me and I'm like, did we watch the same game? Like I walked away from that game not sitting there saying, Oh, Mac Jones is the reason why they only scored 10 points. I mean, again, your, your field goal kicker missed two, two kicks that he usually makes. If the weather's better, they had, you gave all the numbers. They, 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 they move the ball. I didn't think he was bad. And I just, it's become the low hanging fruit in new England immediately to say, Oh, well, you know, they put 10 points on the board because Mac Jones isn't a good quarterback. Like I just, I think again, it's, it's to the point where a lot of people are out of pocket with this stuff. Um, you talked about inside the 30 in the red zone area, and it all starts with the offensive line. Um, you know, looking at how they move the ball, Greg, I, I did think that we saw some changes, uh, a concerted effort to get John o. Smith the football a couple of times. That was nice to see. Um, they try to get Hunter Henry involved a little bit. I, I think they could have done more of that. We saw the two tight ends in the backfield with the running back. They, they had that formation a couple of times off of the bye, Did the offense look the way you thought it would look? Did it look different? And how much do we put into the weather as to why maybe it looked a little bit different? Yeah. Um, we'll have to see ultimately on, 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 you know, how, how much the weather, I mean, we'll obviously see them Thursday night on the short week in the dome and, against a defense that you know i'm not really all that scared of um you know if they're if they're a decent offense an average offense they should be able to put up some points against the vikings so you know we'll see i do think you you talked about the offensive line on monday i went through all the sacks uh definitely the one you're talking about in the red zone i put that on mac i mean there wasn't anybody readily open and the blocking wasn't good that was the one where trent brown got shoved into Mac Jones's um, knee and almost ended his season. Um, but still I put that on him because he's just got to know the situation where he's yep. just got to spike the ball in front of Steve, even though Stevenson's like taking his sweet ass time, getting out on his route and turning around again. Um, Mac Jones has to be aware. Like, dude, I just can't take a sack here. I just got to throw it at Stevenson's feet and just, let's just kick the field goal and move on. Uh, because there wasn't anything on that play. And I agree with you. The first sack of the game, I do think you could also argue is on Jones. I ultimately put it as a team sack because I couldn't quite decide because they did set up a swing pass to Harris on the left. That's there. And I like that. I don't know why Mac didn't take that for some reason. He really wanted to throw to Hunter Henry and you know, guess what, Nick, this is going to be a shock to you. Hunter Henry wasn't looking when Mac Jones wanted to throw the ball. I mean, it's the first play out of the bye. And here we are again. Like I was, I'm like, I'm watching it on film and like, I'm already like ready to impale my eye with my pencil. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, the, 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 the inside the 30 stuff was problematic. And you're absolutely right. It starts with the offensive line. I mean, it's just, we're back to, we've had this discussion in years past where, the Patriots are a grenade offense at this point. It's like, you know, you're just it two every two or three plays, some explosions going off over here or over there. And like <laughs> now they're behind the chain. Like it's, it's like clockwork. I mean, you know, they get in their first drive and I did a whole column breaking down like the, the chances that they really had and what, what went wrong. And I, I sort of put a fault and, I mean, they get to the jets 29 in the first quarter and the first run is for two yards. Like, you know, where Wynn and Johnny Smith don't sustain their blocks. I mean, that's just not good. But they do get a first down when Johnny Smith, I like that play. Um, you know, I, I liked, I liked uh, you know, after that two-yard run, they did sort of like a fake handoff to Stevenson, fake to Bourne, and then screen, you know, over to Stevenson. Like that play. Nice job, Matty P. I like that. And then the next one was Johnny Smith coming on an end around. And we talked last week about, yep. you know, maybe letting him carry the ball like Aaron Hernandez. And there he is. And it looks like he might have a chance to score. And of course he drops the ball. I mean, that's <laughs> another grenade going off for this <laughs> offense, but you know, they did have a first down still that got them a first down. He jumped on the ball. The Jets didn't recover first and 10 at the 15. Here they go. Still guess what happens. Kendrick Bourne lines up offsides again. 
Like now it's first and 15. And then, you know, they're just a disaster at that point to where, you know, they get down Kendrick Bourne, miss, makes a guy miss, gets near the first down marker. And that was the end of the first quarter where, okay, they go to the quarter break, they come back, they're on the field. And then Belichick calls a timeout and they kick the field goal. Like, dude, just toss the challenge flag. Like if you're going to take a timeout, have them look at it. Maybe they yeah. give. Maybe they inch you closer. You go for it. Maybe you get the spot. I thought he got the first down. Like it was just stuff like that over and over again. They're back to being the grenade offense, and and it starts with the guys up front, the blocking most of all. There was one play in that mix where it looked like could just and a when you were both running a pass play when Steven when it was a handoff to Stevenson. That's poor coaching. You know there there's just stuff going wrong all over the place. But the good news is, is like if they can just get out of their own way, they might actually start scoring some touchdowns. I mean, it's, it's there, but man, they keep just shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. We got to get to the defense. We got to get to three up, three down. We got to get to athletic greens. I do just want to make the comment where you're coming off of the bye and Patriots get the football and you're like, all right, let's, let's see. Let's see what they worked on all this time. Let's see what happens. You know, you're trying to be optimistic and then first snap sack. Then you get like a three yard run and then it's third and 14 punt. Like, <laughs> like right off the, like right off the bat, the first series of the mm-hmm. games, like I've seen this before. There's a sack. There's like a two yard run. There's a third and very long, no chance. Just punt it right now. Just, just give in. It's, it's over. This drive is over before it even began. It took five seconds to ruin the drive. Um, before we get to the defense of three up, three down, Greg, uh, tell the fine people that listen to the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles about our friends at Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. Now I've been on it for over four months and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It's got kind of a mild tropical taste, a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. It's the truth. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my routine, and I'd be lost without it. Love how it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Huge for you people in New England who are definitely lacking sunlight right now <laughs> and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. So let's talk about this defense. I think people will watch it and say, Oh, the jets aren't very good. And Zach Wilson wasn't very good. And maybe they'll say the defense looked as good as it did because of the jets helping them out here and there. When you watch the film, was this a case of the Patriots just playing really good defense and, you know, yeah, Zach Wilson wasn't great, but the Patriots made him not so great. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, I think that... I, I think that the Patriots dominated. Um, I do think, again, I think they it, it, they made it worse because they played into the weather conditions. You know, they basically like packed things down. Sometimes they didn't, you know, really have the safeties very deep. It was a lot more aggressive towards the line of scrimmage than they normally play. And so they were able to shut down the Jets running game. Uh, 
in the second half, they made an adjustment where Mac Wilson or Raekwon McMillan was spying Zach Wilson. I thought that was a good adjustment by the Jets early to have basically, you know, and we talked about it going into the game. If I if I were Robert Sala, I'd be like, dude, you're throwing first read. If it's not there, run. If not, throw it away. Like, yeah. and it looked like that's what they wanted to do in the early going. And I thought that for a while, Wilson was managing uh, the game well and the Jets were were doing some things. But I just I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, that Jets offensive line is very challenged. The the Patriots beat them up up front. Um, the interior guys played well. The edge guys played well. Judon did his thing. I thought the linebackers played really well. All of them. It, to me, it was the highest graded linebacker game uh that i can remember probably in a few years you wow. know I, all of them um from juan bentley to jelani tavai to mac wilson raekwon mcmillan and then the you know the cover guys did their thing you know which they do they had a you know a couple couple iffy plays here and there jack jones gave up a 30 yard sort of punt that's going to happen on a day like that with the wind uh holding things up uh but i thought overall i thought the 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 defense looked really, really good, and now it's a question of, you know, are we going to find out? Are they this? Are they really this good, or was this sort of the run of, you know, offenses and quarterbacks that they've been on, similar to years prior? All right, so let's jump to a quick version of three up, three down before we get into this Vikings game on Turkey Day. Uh, three up, Greg, for you. Uh, for me, it was, uh, Damian Harris, who just in 15 plays, I thought popped off, you know, yep. I had him for five explosive plays. I don't know why he didn't play more. I don't know if that was health. Uh, Jelani Tavai, I thought he played excellent in this game. I certainly still have my criticisms of him and wish that his spot was filled by a more athletic guy, but this was his type of game in a phone booth. Don't you know, not the fastest team, not the not a bunch of guys that are going to run away from you. And I thought he played really well, whether it's inside linebacker on the edge in the run game. He made a really nice play, Nick, on the Kyle Duggar sack where Duggar came. It was like a flush call where he comes from the backside. And Tavai was up on the line as the defensive end. And Wilson wanted to throw a quick, quick three-step drop into the flat. And it was there. I still think he should have thrown it, but because Tavai dropped back instead of rushed, that made him hesitate. That allowed the sack to get there. And so, you know, those he's just Tavai's a really smart player, you know, and and tough. Don't love his lack of wheels, but good player. Oh, and uh, Matthew Judon was my third up. Uh, you know, another <laughs> two and a half sacks, five in pressure, uh, impactful plays. Excuse me, one and a half sacks, two and a half pressures. Every week is the same thing. Yeah, Judon's a beast, man. He's an absolute beast. He's he's just I, I thought Damian Harris looked really good too. Um, so I'd be interested to know why he he didn't get as many touches. How about the three down? All offensive line. Uh Yodney could just one and a half sacks, four and a half pressure. Uh, and he ended up on his butt on one sack, which is not good. Uh Cole Strange didn't give up anything in the in pass blocking, which uh has been making its round on Twitter. People also don't understand that he gets a lot of help on passing downs because the center, if he's uncovered, he turns one way or the other. Michael Wenu does not need help. So almost every time if the center's uncovered, they're helping Cole Strange. So, you know, that not that Cole's been bad in pass pro, but that helps him. But he, he was a train wreck uh, in the ground, including there's one play, Nick, that I broke down on video as part of this uh, talking about inside the 30 where Cole strange pulls and he ran into 97 on the jets. And it was like, he ran into a brick wall. It was like my <laughs> kids. It was like my kids when they were three running into me, running into my knee and like <laughs> being knocked back. Like that's, you know, I look, I, I don't, I don't point that out to make fun of them or say, Oh, he's terrible. Those plays happen. It happens even to all pros, but that's kind of how it's going for him right now. And I, I bet you he's like, thank God I'm done with Quinn and Williams this year. Like, I mean, just a nightmare. My God. Oh, and uh, Mike, Michael went in. A winner, this was his worst game of the season. Um, normally, he's one of the best. He's the best guy on the offensive line. I'm a little bit worried, Nick. We'll see how this goes. He's not in the injury report, but he was so bad in the second half compared to the first that I'm a little bit worried about a possible 
you know, injury popping up. So keep an eye on that this week against the Vikings. I hope not. That's the, that's the last thing they need is that guy to be yep. banged up. All right. Uh, before we get to uh bet online, our, our pick for the Vikings game, let's break this down a little bit, Greg, uh, you write about the Vikings that they're, they're similar, similar to the Patriots offensively, uh, the offensive line, some injuries are holding them back. You're not the biggest fan of Kirk cousins. When you, when you watch the Vikings operate offensively, uh, what are some of the things that you see? And, and where do you think that the Patriots might be able to uh, attack them? So um, very talented team, um, you know, as far as skill guys. I mean, we're talking, you know, Dalvin Cook's great at running back. They just picked up Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson. Uh, that guy's just, he's amazing. I remember yeah. evaluating him coming out, and he's the, he's the son of Sean Jefferson, the former, uh, you know, longtime NFL receiver who's now a coach, I think, with the Cardinals. I think I saw him on hard knocks, but in any event, uh, you, I just remember him coming out and watching his film. And I was like, I've never seen a college receiver as good run as good a routes as he does. And that he, I, I just loved him. I was hoping the Patriots would get him. Cause I was like, here is one wide receiver. The Patriots can't screw up Justin Jefferson, like do whatever he, but of course he shot up draft boards and, they had no chance at him, but uh, he's spectacular. He's dealing with a toe injury. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, you start there and then, you know, the big thing is you look at them, they're very similar to the Patriots in terms of, you know, I would say Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins are kind of similar, you know, yeah. n- won't, won't, not the biggest arms, not the greatest athletes. Uh, if it's open, you know, they hit it. Um their offensive line is bad and it's dealing with a lot of injuries. Christian Derisaw, who's one of the best young left tackles in the game, just suffered his second concussion of the season against the Cowboys. There's no chance he's playing against the Patriots this week. Um, you know, that's a, that's a huge bonus for them. There's some guy named Blake Brandel uh, from Oregon state who will play for him. Uh, he's awful. Uh, so, you know, very similar to the Patriots in terms of, you know, I don't even like O'Neal, the right tackle. I, I don't like a lot of their stuff. I do like Cleveland's okay, the left guard. Bradbury's okay, the center. Um, but, you know, this is similar to the Patriots, middling quarterback, good running back, good potential running game, good weapons on the outside, tight ends that you can throw to, but Nobody can block for anybody. You know, it's the same thing as the Patriots. Like you don't know, you know, Vikings can get loose when the game gets loose. They can start to, you know, put up some points against certain defenses, but I don't see how they score many points in this game against the Patriots. Cause I just, I think the Patriots are just going to own them up front. Wow. And, and when you watch, you know, they, they obviously had the four twenty five game of the week against the Cowboys on Sunday and they got throttled. They, they, they got embarrassed uh, on national TV. So it'll be fascinating to see how they respond to that. And Nick, they you know what else, the you know, what's, you know, in Thielen's their other guy at, yeah. uh, at receiver who I left off, who I haven't really, I, I haven't dug huge into their offensive film. I watched two games worth of their defensive film and um, I'm halfway through the bills game. I don't know. I don't th- see Thielen very much. KJ Osborne is another guy. One thing to know about the Vikings Another thing that plays into the Patriots in this matchup, the Vikings have been terrible this year against man coverage. Um, they rank near the bottom of the league in all in all sorts of categories. Um, you know, the Cowboys play a lot of man coverage. They struggle with that. The Packers, you know, the two lowest scoring games were against teams that play a lot of man coverage. And Patriots are right up there in terms of man coverage, and they do it well. So you combine the coverage with the potential mismatch up front, uh, you know, you're looking at a potential, you know, similar to what the Cowboys just did to them. I don't know if the Patriots yeah. are going to score 40 points, but uh, that potential. Yeah, the Cowboys labeled them. And so defensively, I think the questions from the very beginning of this year for Minnesota, it was about that defense. And what what have you seen when you watch them defensively? I know you, you look at that run defense and, and you think they've got some question marks there. Yeah, I do not like their interior guy, even though there's some hope. I think he's questionable that Dalvin Tomlinson is able to play. He hasn't been playing. He, he, he's been dealing with an, uh, a, a knee injury all season. And, um, 
I was just switching. I just want to take a look at their base. I do not like their interior. I mean, look, you know, Preston is it area Smith on one side, really good edge guy, but nothing, you know, huge Daniel Hunter, another good guy on the edge, but nobody who's dominating. I don't like their linebackers all that much. Um, you know, I do still like, I like Peterson at corner, but he's not what he used to be. Uh, Shelly, the other outside corner is okay. Uh, you know, I really like this Chandon Sullivan kid uh, who is their slot cornerback and Harrison Smith, their safety. I just think that the Patriots, uh, you know, I watched the Cowboys ran all over them. The Bills had success running against them and they can't run the ball at all. I mean, this should be a game where the Patriots are actually able to be balanced offensively and, you know, really play into that. And you, you talked earlier, Nick, about like, you know, things that I wanted to see from this team and whether I saw them in this game. At times, like, you know, I don't know if you saw it the same way, but I thought the Patriots were much better under center. Like, they look like a much better team. They ran the ball. Yeah. They ran play action. They did that up until like they got to the 30, and then all of a sudden, here we go. Shotgun, one back, gun runs, crap protection. Like, you know, hopefully this is a game where they say, you know what? Let's be the more physical team. We can be the more physical team. Let's line up. I, again, I wish they had a fullback to put back there for a game like this, but let's just go. Let's let our guys get going in the running game, run blocking, and let's go from there. All right. Before we give you uh, our game pick, let's tell everybody listening to this podcast and watching about betonline.ag. Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Always your continued source for sports wagering. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We are the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf games and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So uh, last week, um, nine and one. That's where I'm at. Greg is at eight and two. Uh, Greg is very frustrated by the punt return that, that hurt his pick. Says it should have been a field goal game, but it wasn't, Greg. That's not how these things work. And this week, we've got the Vikings, minus two and a half. The game, obviously, is in Minnesota, so the Pats are the uh, road dog, minus two and a half. The over-under is 42 and a half, Greg. Where do you sit on this one? I love the Patriots in this matchup. Um, You know, it's going to take, you know, the the offense is actually going to have to do something in this game, which makes it a scary proposition. But, you know, I think after – my my hope is that after facing – the Colts front and the Jets front in their last three games that the Vikings are going to look easy in comparison and that they're going to be able to execute more consistently. The grenade offense will be at a minimum, hopefully, but when you start seeing explosions, you know, go off like, you know, good luck. It's, it's not going in a good direction, but you know, I'm hopeful that, um, I think that the defense can do a number on the Vikings. I think that the, you know, if Darisaw was out there, I might think a little bit differently. Uh, but I think that's a huge, huge injury for a, for it's like the Patriots losing Trent Brown. I mean, it's bad enough, uh, you know, when when you don't have when when you have your full complement of guys, but then you know to lose you know one of your best offensive line, especially at left tackle, that's tough. So I I love the Patriots in this matchup. Um, I think they're going to. I'm banging the bunny money line on this game. Uh, so I'm going to go with uh, even though the Vikings are a team like if you get up on them, you better not ease up because they're coming back. Ask the bills and other teams. Cause that's where they're, they're at their best. They've actually been basically outplayed the last three weeks and they're two and one yeah. in those games. Uh, so I'm going to go Patriots. Uh, 2017. All right. Uh, I'm going to lean Patriots too. I, I think the coaching staff uh, is, you know, on a short week, quick turnaround here. Uh, what happened in that Dallas game. I do think the Patriots can run the football. If they can handle cook coming out of the backfield, I think they got the secondary that uh, I'm not going to tell you, know, I'm not going to say that they'll, they'll shut Justin Jefferson down because he's just so good. But I do think 
you know, Kyle Duggar will do a good enough job against Hawkinson. I do think they'll be able to handle Adam Thielen, whether, you know, they double Justin Jefferson from time to time, whatever they do. Uh, I, I just think you can't give up the big plays to that guy, right? Like keep everything underneath GTFB as, as Belichick would say. And uh, I, I think the Patriots win the game. Uh, I think they can run the football against these guys. I like you hope that they play under center a little bit more. And, and we see some of those power runs in between, you know, in, in the interior offensive line. I think that they've been able to pick up some chunk yardage. They did that last week. Damian Harris had a nice run straight up the gut. I'd like to see that a little bit more. And I will go with 24 to 20. So I'll go with the over and I'll go Patriots uh, getting the, the two and a half on the road. Other games, Bills, Lions. Bills are nine and a half point favorites, Greg. Quick pick on that one. Uh, I like the Lions. I mean, I think the Bills will win, but I think with all they've been through, the Bills. By the way, one thing I wanted to say real quickly, one thing, another thing going for the Patriots in this advantage is that the schedule actually plays, it's giving them an advantage in this week. So they were, they had a bye week. And then they played the Jets, who they had just played. So they yeah. didn't really need to spend their bye week on the Jets at all. They could spend it getting like a real game plan together for the Vikings, whereas the Vikings had their bye in week seven. They're on a real, as far as preparation, short week. The Patriots probably used the bye week to game plan for the Vikings. So they have a big advantage there. I, I think the Bills win this game. But I think the Lions got a little something going. They've won three in a row. I think they're, you know, they normally they normally they make these games fun for a while, and I think they're going to make this game fun. And I think it's you know going to be about a touchdown game. Yeah, nine and a half is a little bit too big for me. I agree with you, Josh Allen's. You know, he's going through some funkiness, whether it's injury, whether it's injury, and in between the ears, whatever's going on, he has not been great the last few weeks. Uh, so I think the Lions can kind of stay close enough to the Bills. I do think the Bills win. Dallas is a 10-point favorite against the Giants, Greg. Uh, I like the Cowboys to cover that. I mean, I know it's a big margin, but I, I don't think the Giants are that good. I think it's finally coming around the you know regression to the mean. And I will also say one thing to point out with the Vikings, and this is similar to the Giants, uh, you know, the Vikings – their DVOA over a football outsider, which is an overall rating. We've talked about it before. The Vikings are 24th in the league. They're like, wow. a, according to advanced analytics, they're a bottom third team in the league where the Patriots, I think, are like 11th at this point. So according to advanced analytics, the Patriots should win this game on Sunday. I look at the Dallas Giants the same way. I think I think Dallas is starting to get in a groove. Dak's starting to get in a groove. And uh, Pollard is just the big difference maker in that offense. They'll be able to run a little bit on the giants. Uh, I like the Cowboys flexing on the G men. Yeah, I think you're right about the giants. I, I've been saying this last few weeks, they found ways to win and shout out to Brian Dayball for, for getting the most out of Daniel Jones, but I don't think they're a very good football team. I don't think their record is indicative of who they actually are. Uh, I think Dallas is feeling good, especially after what happened uh, on Sunday, they showed out on national television. So I would lean Dallas as well with that one. All right. So the BSJ member question of the day brought to you by our friends at Boston sports journal. Don't forget 39 99 on the annual plan. You get all the great Boston coverage. You get the weekly chats with Greg. You also watch the coaches film as well. Uh, what is the member question of the day, Greg? Uh, so I was trying to find it, but basically the, the gist was, uh, uh, it was somebody who said, for all the talk about Devin Lloyd, and I mentioned uh, you know, Devin Lloyd about Tavai. And, yeah. of course, people are probably on the Tavai bus right now. Aside from the hot start in his first three games, he has been pretty generic since then, especially the past few games. Check his game lock, below average production. Not saying he won't be a fine player, but Greg and others have fitted him for a yellow jacket. First of all, we haven't. <laughs> um you know, second of all, and then there was another guy who said, well, stop with he's athletic. Look at his numbers and this and that. Like, look, I studied the guy on film. He's a good athletic linebacker that, you know, could grow into more in the pros. And but the and, and I don't think he's going to the Hall of Fame. What we wanted, and I think Nick was on board with this. I think, you know, we looked at the defense and we're like, they, they're talking about being faster on defense, yet they're not bringing in any fast linebackers. Yep. And here you have a chance in this part of the draft where a guy like Devin Lloyd will be there. And 
I don't. Here's the bottom line. I don't give a crap what any player does in any other uniform that the Patriots could have drafted. It's a completely different scheme, completely different coaches. It's like J.C. Jackson going from the Patriots to the Chargers. Like, if people want to like, oh, look at J.C. Jackson. He's playing for Brandon Staley. Like, they suck. Like, maybe he's not using them the right way. Maybe he's not playing man coverage. Like, I, whatever it is, it's not working. My point is that I think you put those players in Patriot uniforms, especially Lloyd with Gerard Mayo here. And Bill Belichick, I think Devin Lloyd in this with the Patriots had a chance to be a dynamite all around every down linebacker that this team lacks. And I'm not going to back down from that, no matter, you know, from his game lock. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I thought Devin Lloyd was one of those guys in the draft. I, I was hoping the Patriots would pull the trigger. And look, I don't think the book is going to be written about all these guys, right? I mean, it's, it's one year in everybody settled the hell down, but I also wouldn't be taking any kind of Bench victory back. laps. <laughs> I wouldn't be taking any victory laps or anything like that. When Cole strange has looked the way he's looked without David Andrews on the football field. Okay. So if we're going to sit there and talk about Devin Lloyd and whole blah, 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 Cole strange, what he he's, He's not playing well at all, at all. So I, I think everybody. Speaking of rookies about. who have gotten benched. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on. What, what are we doing here? I mean, the, the, the whole, I don't want to relive the conversation too much, but the, the entire idea was the value of an offensive guard versus the value of a guy, the second level of your defense who can go sideline to sideline. You can usually get a guard in the third or fourth round, and those guys will be good enough. Belichick has done it plenty of times before. If you want somebody who is a legitimate athletic linebacker who can make an impact and, and can change games, you usually want to draft those guys in the first round. That was the argument of, you know, Cole Strange, as Greg, I think he said at, at draft time, you know, Cole Strange, if, if you do what you did, right, if they, if they bring in Cole Strange the way they did, first-round pick at guard, and I know this year's draft was a little different. You had three or four guards drafted in the first round. That's usually not the case. But if you're going to use a first round pick on a guard, that dude has to be like Hall of Fame worthy. Okay. Because like you can get guards, right? You can, you can find plug and play guys on the interior of the offensive line. You, you are not going to, you know, find linebackers that have that athleticism that can make those game changing plays very often in the middle rounds, it's, you know, yeah, you'll find them. Of course, there's always anomalies, but that was, that was the beef. The beef was what was the value of when you got Cole strange and you could get one of those corners that were out there. One of the linebackers like Lloyd, that was out. That was the argument. It, it wasn't apples for apples folks. It, the argument was, could you get somebody who could play at the level of a Cole strange in the second, third, fourth round at guard and take the guy that you know is that kind of athletic freak at the second level of your defense. That was the argument. Let's not move the goalposts. He's Greg. I'm Nick. I enjoyed this from a hotel room in Virginia Beach. I think we did okay. Uh, we'll watch the game tomorrow night. I think Greg will probably be doing the next one solo because I think I'm traveling over the weekend. Uh, but everybody enjoy the turkey. Enjoy the uh, cold beverages. Enjoy the football tomorrow. Uh, Thanksgiving. One of the best holidays of all time, right? I mean, it's that. It's Christmas. I don't know, neck and neck for me. Uh, until until the next time, he's Greg, I'm Nick. Be well, be good, be safe. And don't forget our friends at Athletic Greens and betonline.ag. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. 